Welcome back to The News Never Ends. I'm your host, Dan Ackerman, and you're about to hear an interview that my co-host, Peter Ronson, and I conducted with journalist Nee Lay. Nee Lay is a reporter, slam poet, blogger, speaker, and host of the online show Jego und Sammler and the video podcast Verrückt. Nee is based out of Leipzig and spoke to us over the internet about the relatively recent controversy in the German mediascape over the use of journalistic framing in Germany's unique genre of talk shows and the ways these talk shows legitimize far-right narratives under cover of a myth of objectivity. I say relatively recent, since we recorded this interview in late June, before the infamous heat wave that, while it could not end the news, certainly slowed the news down on this podcast. We apologize for the delay, but we hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Nee based on her article in Die Tats, Framing in Politischen Talkshows, Das Wir und Das Die, linked in the episode description. Auf Wiederhören! All right. So, hi, Ni. Thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited to have you. Thanks so much for having me. First, I wanted to just get us started by talking about the reason we've got you here specifically. So, I've been following you on Twitter for a long time. I'm a big fan of your work in general. You do a ton of different things. But we have you on today specifically to talk about this article that you wrote for Detots and the subject of that article more generally in Germany. The title of this article is Framing in Political Talk Shows, the We and the them, uh, the we right. and the they, basically, uh, would be the translation. And it is a take on this controversy that started to come into the mainstream in Germany in this month. Uh, we're recording in June, but uh, sort of at the beginning of this month, this whole controversy started around these talk shows in Germany. Just to start, before we get into the meat of your article, could you just introduce our audience a little bit to the talk shows in Germany? Because it's a genre that's pretty unfamiliar to an American audience, I think, uh, or an English-speaking audience in general. Okay, so I think first of all it's important to know how the German media system is built so the German media system is divided up into the public broadcasting service and the private broadcasting and there are those nine regional radio and TV broadcasters like this Erste like the first public owned television channel and then the second and those big talk shows here in Germany they're all produced by the public broadcasting companies which is the reason why those shows are really important. They have very good like spots in the evening on Sundays, for example. I think people think that those shows are still like those high-quality talk shows where there's one host, and these hosts worked as journalists too, and then they have several guests with different views or opinions on a certain topic and it's usually like always about a political issue. And it's usually a bunch of people at once, right? It's sort of like a panel of people and they debate on an issue more or less? Right. Usually there's this one host and four guests and they're in a panel and um, it's a live show too with a live audience too. Interesting. So this sounds to me like maybe a little bit to use a parallel from American culture, like a, a little bit like CNN, like the way that CNN has those panels where people yell at each other, but maybe a little bit also like a, like Stephen Colbert or something, like where we have these late night talk show hosts. It's not that they really argue, depending on who's invited, but usually because they always have different um, standing points, it gets really, well, there's a kind of angry um, atmosphere at least. Yeah, yeah, but it seems a lot, I don't want to like get uh, too bogged down in the differences between this and American TV escapes, but it seems to me a lot closer to what I think of when I think of a debate show in that it's not like CNN where there's five people streaming in from different places in the country as talking heads and like shouting over each other. It's much more like one person will give their take and then they'll go, you know, Frau Kalek, could you uh, like respond to that or something like that? And it's much more like structured in that way, if that makes sense. Um, no, I would say that that's accurate. Maybe for Germans, sometimes it's pretty um, heated up already. Data or research that I've done on it, but I would say that women are mostly interrupted. Mm -hmm. You said, you know, these are publicly produced. How popular are they? Do you have an idea of, of what kind of place they have in German media? Do they set the tone for a lot of the discourse? Or what kind of influence do they still have? Well, I'm not sure if they set the tone, but they are influential because, first of all, people still have this perception of those talk shows, like these four big talk shows by the public broadcasting companies, they are like serious journalism. Also, they have 
a lot of viewers. It's it's funny because the name of the talk shows are like mostly the names of the talk show hosts. Mm-hmm. Like Anuvil um, is one of the hosts, and her show has her name. And the same with two other um, female hosts, and the only um, show without the host name could be translated as mm, "hard but fair." Right, hard but fair. <laughs> A heart of a fair, right? And like I said um, before, Anna Wilt's show, this one talk show with the most viewers, her show is directly on Sunday after that, what is it like, detective show, crime show? So a lot of people just continue watching because they already um, started watching this crime thing on every, mm-hmm. every Sunday and then they just keep watching that. And I have some numbers from last year. Mm, depending on which show it is, they have mostly between three and four million viewers. And depending on how many people watch, this makes 13 up to 18 percent of all viewers on that evening. And this is something wow. I think, too, that's hard for Americans to understand because we don't really have must-see TV anymore. But uh, you're talking about Tatort, right? The right, crime show? Right. Uh, this is like the biggest show in Germany, and there really are there are like bars that will set up on Sunday night for everyone to watch Tatort, big crime show, and it would be like if everyone in the country like stopped and watched Law and Order for a night, and then this one talk show comes on right after it. And so I remember when I was in Germany from 2014 to 2015, there was an episode on the economic crisis with Greece that I remember feeling was a really big deal, and everyone. Yeah not only uh, watched Todd Ort, but also like stuck around and watched that episode of this talk show and uh, like spoke about it afterward. And, you know, uh, it seemed like it was uh, uh, like everyone in the country was kind of uh, focused on the screen at one point, which is something that I don't think you see a lot in America anymore. I would definitely agree, but it's a very good spot for this talk show. And this is also a good transition because, like I said, I was in Germany 2014 to 2015. And you talk about in your article, part of this reckoning that's going on now with these talk shows in Germany has to do with this big shift around 2015 in sort of the themes of the talk shows? Well, the big problem is that those talk shows helped normalizing right-wing narratives and early from 2015 on because in 2015, for example, I wouldn't call it the refugee crisis in Germany. They would definitely translate as crisis, but when a lot of refugees just came to Germany in 2015, the talk shows picked up those topics and those four big talk shows, they had 139 episodes, and 50 of those episodes were about Islam, terrorism, and refugees. But it's also about how they chose the titles of their shows. For example, they always have those, I would translate with leading questions, and it scared people when they had titles like, Where to place refugees? Is Europe going to let us down? Oh, another title of the show was SOS Refugees, Rescued, But Are They Meant to Stay? Or The Islamists' War, Defenseless in the Face of Terror. And one could say, so this was almost three years ago. Why is it a problem right now? Well, the current controversy about it is because there was a people called scandal about the Federal Office for Migration and Refugees. But in the end, now they found out that nothing big even happened. But... Those shows picked up this topic in a like they in a row. Um, those four shows they were talking about Islam again, and he framed it again in a very bad way. So one show, and they had those uh, they had one teaser, and I I translated it for you mm-hmm. so you can better understand what it was about. The sh- um, the teaser was. Young men fled from war and archaic societies. This gives reason for concern and fear. Is it even possible to integrate those refugees? How dangerous will Germany become? Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And specifically, so the controversy with this buzzword framing, uh, my understanding is that it started with this one talk show that you've already referenced, uh, Hart aber fair, that translates as hard but fair, right? Which is like sort of this typical, uh, like very debate show kind of frame of mind. Like we're going to be like hard but fair. We're going to take both sides. All this kind of thing. Yeah. So the whole atmosphere was already pretty heated. And then on Twitter, one user pointed out and said, you know what, your whole 
picture use your visual frames and also the texts that you use like those teasers this is definitely framing because you present this topic in a certain way and then people perceive it in a certain way and then on twitter the social media team said framing question mark we as journalists don't know what that is and then they said we just we just present things like they are so everybody was really frustrated and also disappointed because from journalists at public broadcasting was such a big team and a lot of um like importance that they don't know what framing is um, a lot of people just said it just shows one more time that those shows have no idea apparently have no idea what damage they do with their um, headlines and topics that they always choose to choose. Right, or that they have any kind of influence at all, right? That they have this idea that they're just reflecting uh, the facts as they are, so to speak. Right. But the whole point of journalism is this, uh, or one of the big points of journalism, right, is uh, editorializing, is choosing which facts to report and how to report them is the job of a journalist. Just to get a timeline on the current controversy for people, uh, when was this issue, when did this teaser come out? It was on June 4th when they had this show and I think it was the second one, or I'm not sure about that anymore, but um, there was the first show, oh, Anne already, she talked about like um, problems with refugees and then had Bafia, the second one, with this show, and it was called um, Refugees and Crime, the, the big discussion with that teaser. And then the third show, where another controversy um, controversy was there, um, and then the fourth um, talk show was also about this topic. <laughs> so it was one week of talk shows, and they all picked up the same topic. And um, unfortunately, mm, buzzwords like migrants, refugees, or Muslims are sometimes just the same. Like, for, for those talk shows, um, a refugee is automatically a Muslim or the other way around. Right. But, I remember this yeah. was on... Um, uh, I watched some of these shows, not all of them. Uh, they are so long. Uh, <laughs> but um, Yeah, I'm sure they're super boring. Yeah. Um, but I watched the Meishberger episode uh, about... Um, so it was uh, it was this month. It was in this whole sort of time frame of this week long uh, controversy with these talk shows. And Meishberger is one of the big talk shows. It's named for the host, whose uh, name is Meishberger. And uh, she was doing this talk show as sort of a follow up to one of the uh, public German broadcasters was showing uh, the uh, film version of that Michelle Welbeck novel about. Uh, Islam taking over France. And, you know, I didn't see the film. Uh, I, like, couldn't find the link to watch it online, if there is one. But uh, they had this sort of follow-up episode uh, of a talk show to discuss this uh, this theme of, uh, like, what they called uh, the Islam debate, uh, which, like, is such a general term for such a specific thing. Uh, and it, it really is this, um, uh, this dog whistle, right? Like the Islam debate means whatever you understand by Islam. And so if it means like the cultural threat to Europe or terrorism or something like that, like that is the debate you're having instead of a debate about like Islam, which like it, there is no such thing. Like, what does that mean? And what you were talking about with the images and stuff, the background was, I think like a, a, the German flag like cracked, like it was rubble. Right. And uh, this, <laughs> this veiled woman, you could only see her eyes in front of it. Um, and it, it's just like, it, it is just, it's, it's right out of uh, the most basic uh, crude propaganda textbooks, these kind of images. Uh, and then you have people who are supposed to have this like, oh, we don't, we don't frame, we're just talking about the facts, we're being hard but fair, uh, you know, both sides, with this big like destroyed German flag with a big scary Muslim woman behind them. So it, it was bizarre to watch that, but um, I remember at one point this was, oh, I forget this woman's name. Do you remember the woman who uh, like made the big deal about uh, imams not shaking her hand? Oh yeah, do you mean Kelek or the Tzede'u lady? Um, I, so I don't know if she was Tzede'u because she uh, like, 
comment, or, uh, you know, actually, I'm not sure. I think this was someone who was uh, uh, more to the right who was talking to the Tzeda U lady because he said, like, how can you complain about Islamic culture when your party let so many refugees in? And even she had to say, well, those are two different things, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. This show, it, this this whole episode of Meisberg that you're talking about, it's it's just a hot mess. I can't really... <laughs> <laughs> um, any different because before this whole episode even aired there was one big um, controversy again just like days after Hart Aber Fair when people complained rightfully complained about this um, teaser because they just had another name for the episode and those episodes name usually with those leading questions are a big problem itself and the title of the episode was um, are we too tolerant toward Islam um, this was the name of the episode and people just said well you just try to make a point that we are already too tolerant enough and now you're asking how tolerant we are so they just changed the name of this whole episode calling it like the big Islam debate right exactly and before it was called the Islam debate it was called Are we too tolerant of Islam? And Meischberger deleted the tweet where they announced that title, but people screenshotted it, so they know what it was originally planned to be. Yeah, and I think from from the content, it wasn't so different. I watched this show, and I'm just like opening my my notes on that. Well, you already talked about the visual framing. Not only was the title a big problem but also how they chose to have their background because I think the first half of the show they had just like, I think it was a German flag or something um, with the mosque. I'm not sure about that anymore, right. but this, the second half was this, this was visual, visual framing um, a back, best practice example because it was so terrible. They had, like you said, um, a smeared and cracked uh, German flag and then this lady in the niqab and you can already tell well this Muslim lady she's a threat to us and then how they structured the whole show was a problem too because they had this film and it was just like the idea of this novel and then the movie that France in I don't know 2020 something um, is like um, a like state with mostly just Muslims, and then the first question of Manishbag, she described and she just said, what a terrible vision. Um, assuming, like, this is something that could really happen in the future, that this is, like, a real-life scenario, although it's just a novel, it's just a movie. And then her first question was, well, the first guest, are you afraid of, like, Islamic invasion of Germany? <laughs> and even this, like, conservative CDU lady, she said, no, to be honest, I'm not afraid. Because even she, from that more like right-wing conservative um, spectrum, even she said that it's that she's not afraid. And there were some problems in that show um, because it has always something to do with who you would invite. And she invited um, a lady. She calls herself like um, Islam criticizer. Is that the right word? <laughs> yeah, um, Islam critic something like yeah. that yeah islam critic is yeah. like her job it's like to criticize islam right yeah and there is this whole it's not just in germany uh all over the english-speaking world you'll hear people describe themselves as islam critics critics uh especially in the context of these kind of debate shows i feel like um and exactly it's like a profession you're a professional critic of islam right and she um describes herself as like a women's right activist too, but of course she would always just like criticize the structures in Islam and that all not all those problematic structures um, and then they had another guest was um, one like board member from an AKP like Erdogan's party close party here in Germany and of course they have total different values right and then it it clashed and I think what's interesting about that is and maybe this is like a longer annotation. I hope there's time for this sure, yeah. with the guests. Um, because those um, T 
teams from Maischberger, they and also they, they just said that they always look for the best guests that could contribute something to the whole issue. But then um, Pega Feridoni, she's like a host and actress from uh, here in Germany, but um, she's not white. And she played a Muslim in a TV show, whatever. And then she said that once Maischberger's team called her and said, yeah, we want you for our show. And she said, okay, about what? And then like some of these topics too, like, do you wear a hijab? And she said, no. What do your parents say to that? And then they said, well, I don't wear one. And then they said, hmm, that's a pity. Well, <sighs> and okay, do, do you have contact to somebody else? And then like it was her like colleague. And he's like, he's not white either. And he said, uh, they the team apparently asked her, like, are there any problems with that and Islam? And she said, no, I don't think so. And then I said, okay, then not. So they didn't invite her then. Right. And um, I just read that because this was something that she just posted on her social media page on her Facebook, where you could definitely read that different from what those teams say that they just invite people for what they contribute they're just looking for trouble when they choose their guests of course it would clash between those people with the more radical views right they're looking for extremes not representative people yeah and then in the end they just say um well we don't want our shows to be any platforms for extremism but then another big big problem with those shows is that they started inviting the AFB members, like from this far right wing like um, party, and by inviting them and presenting their talking points after the Tatort, like the best time to have those shows on TV, it's just one strategy to normalize their narratives or just to present them to a huge audience. So now we're getting into this issue with the AFD. Just uh, I, you mentioned them uh, quickly, and I, we're going to talk about them more now. But uh, could you explain to people who maybe aren't familiar with the German political spectrum what is the AFD? Uh, what does it stand for? Like, what is their place in German politics right now? Yeah, AFD stands for Alternative for Germany, and um, like four years ago, like around 2014-15, they started as a so-called like. Euro critical party and a more like right wing party with a more conservative or like um, economist view, more right. like that. They took a lot of libertarians into their r ranks, right? Yeah, I think um, in German you would say like Wirtschaftsliberal. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Liberal and, means something different here, but that's what I'm thinking of. But they shifted more to the right and even more and more, and those um, like not even moderate, but like right-wing um, people or the board members, they just got replaced by people that are even more extremist and even more. And in 2015, they started with those like anti-refugee, anti-migrant um, narratives. And there are members that are really, really radical. And um, they started being successful within the state elections. And then last year, 2017, they got elected into the Bundestag, which, how would you translate it? Oh, yeah, like the German parliament. Yeah, yeah the German parliament. And the 13% one, like, the biggest, I'm sorry, is it um, Opposition, Opposition Party? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they, together with Pegida, like, a non-governmental organization that a movement against, like, migration also really, really right-winged with links to right-winged extremists. Together, they worked on that um, shift in society more to the right or far right. And now when they're part of the parliament, it's even worse. And right. um, like I said, they had a more libertarian, um, like the founder of AFD, actually, he went out of the party because they replaced him with somebody, her name is Frauke Petri, more radical. Now she was replaced by even more radical people. So one, or I was wondering, like, how radical can it even become? Mm -hmm. And uh, you referenced uh, Pegida. Yeah. What's the full name of Pegida? It it's uh it stands for something, right? Yeah. The like it's an acronym for um, Patriots Against the Islamization um, of the um, European like 
Abendland, I would have to look it up. Oh, yeah, it's like um, uh, the West. Uh, there's not yeah, like... It's like, like the Occident. Right. The, West, the Western world. It's like basically patriots against the Islamization of the Western Christ, Christian civilization, something like that. Right. So, and this is not a party per se. This is, uh, like you said, a, a non-governmental organization um, that, uh, and uh, just because we're talking about 2015 a lot, um, you mentioned that as a big turning point in uh, the movement of refugees into Europe. Uh, it's also worth noting that 2015 kicked off with the Charlie Hebdo attack. And so I remember right. that being a big shift mm. in the narrative too in Europe. Yeah, and um, together, Pegida, um, I think some AFD member also said, or AFD member also said that this is like the long arm of the a from AFD on the street. Mm. And um, they had, like, in Dresden, like, not in every city, but mostly in eastern Germany, in Dresden, where this movement comes from, they had huge demonstrations, um, but with, yeah, with a lot of people, too, and they would never really call it a um, demonstration, but they also named it a walk. <laughs> mm-hmm. So a little political walk is what they called it. And, right, yeah. holding signs that say things like rape fugees and, uh, you know, these scary images, again, of, like, burning German flags and uh, uh, people in niqabs and things like that. Um, but, right, they're this huge non-governmental right-wing organization uh, that works very closely with the AFD. Yeah. So back to the AFD itself. Um, mm-hmm. What... So, like you said, uh, they've been uh, they've had a place on these talk shows for a while now, uh, probably because they feed into this kind of like clash of extremes that they feed off of on these shows. Um, but could you tell us a little bit uh, about this controversy with Alexander Gowland specifically? Just because I know that uh, a lot of this discussion has been framed around that experience. Yeah. Well, about this, that they invited them pretty early. That's just one problem in 2015 when they usually had. Um, when they usually had topics on refugees or migration or Islam, they kept inviting AFD members, which is a statement itself, because they have openly radical, far right-wing or even extremist views on that. And if you present them as how they just um, stress it out, like, we are looking for people that um, can contribute something to that topic, then it's just a problem because it means those people from the far right with their very, like, extremist views, that this is just, like, a normal opinion, although it's not. Right, and so, they appear next to current parliament members and experts who have been on these shows for years. Um, yeah, and also these people were invited um, long, long before they entered any, like, state parliament or even the German parliament last year because 2015 was when they were just, like, um, getting more attention for their party and by um, inviting them although they were like newbies on talk shows it just normalized their narratives too right so and Alexander Gauland there was this one controversy mostly about hard about fair because um, people kept saying that well you framed that and then on social media you said that you don't even know what framing is and you just keep contributing to that um, like really scary atmosphere that we have right now here in Germany um, but then they said well we just said that we won't invite Alexander Gauland for a while he's like um, the head of uh, um, AFD party so isn't that something and actually it's not because he made that one very uh, it, horrible statement saying that, um, well, the Holocaust and the um, NS time, those 12 years um, in German history, are just, I can't even translate it up, like, bird shit. <laughs> <laughs> what was the phrase? Pugelschiss. Yeah, yeah, bird shit. Uh, chicken shit, uh, like nothing, no big deal. Right, meaning, like, yeah, right. don't, uh, it gets, like, an undue amount of focus. Yeah, right. It's just like um, 12 years within 100s of well, thousands of years of glory German history. Um, and that one shouldn't make... His meaning basically is one shouldn't make such a big deal out of that. 
of those like twelve years, then one of his other members from the like there's this people would say the moderate right winged part of the party, which is already pretty extremist, and then an openly right winged extremist part of the party. Right. And we have people like that in the United States who say a similar, like, any sort of right-wing person in the United States will say the same thing about, like, American atrocities, that we shouldn't focus on them so much. And yes. it's just, like, at the same time that they are trying to uh, commit a new set of atrocities, they're talking about how, like, don't worry about historical atrocities, why don't we just focus on all the good things we've done? Right, don't worry about these voter ID laws, slavery was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah right. This is just, like, similar way how people say that but um by by saying that the holocaust was just like bird shit in 1000 years of successful german history it also means that he it's just terrible also for the um, victims of the holocaust and the holocaust itself to say something like that so yeah absolutely so that was the point where hard but fair, did say, okay, this is beyond the pale, we're not going to have this person on again, and sort of, like, asked for a cookie from the German public to say, like, okay, so they do have some kind of standards, right? But the same day that they made that announcement was, I believe, the day that they announced the episode they were about to have that was, the title was Refugees and Crime, The Discussion. I think it was in the same time frame. Okay, maybe not the same day, but... No, it wasn't the same day, but the problem is that I think they said they wouldn't have him for at least a year or something, which is just like, let's see if in a while it will be fine again. They gave him a yellow and, card. Yeah, and also they they didn't say that they would exclude any kind of AFD member. They said this one, like, extremist, his name is Björn Höcke, they didn't have him on the show, like, ever because he's so, like, with his extremist views... And something like similar happened with Gauland now, but then at the same time they said, well, we won't exclude whole AFD. Um, and it, it was just like, look, we're great, we, we are aware, but then they, bring, they still bring those kind of shows. And I think the most disappointing thing is, not that it means anything, but those other shows, they said, well, we don't even consider, consider excluding him for our, from our shows because, and this was the statement, we're always looking for people that can contribute something great to our topic. And if he's that kind of person, then we won't just say that we won't invite him anymore. So, yeah. This, this is also a statement. Mm-hmm. They're saying, well, maybe he can contribute something to our show still. Right, yeah. How is, how is saying that the Holocaust is bird shit not uh, disproving that whole idea? This brings us to, uh, again, like it's kind of the third rail of German national discourse, like the elephant in the room anytime you're talking about racism in Germany is, of course, the Holocaust and the history of the Nazi time. And this, my understanding from reading the takes in the German media, because uh, once this framing concept uh, with the talk shows hit the mainstream, uh, I remember in a week there were takes from a lot of the major German publications. One chorus that you kept hearing was, we now understand that you don't have to have Alexander Gowland on your show to have his views expressed on your show and that you can frame an entire talk show around these kind of right-wing perspectives and narratives even if you don't have the AFD members there. Right, um, this is also a point um, that I picked for my article because even yes. if AFD is not even there after those three years where they were introduced or like where they came up in 2015, then you don't need them anymore because there's another party in Germany that is um, has those or like similar views to it's like CSU. It's um, a part of the Christian Democratic Party, but CSU is like the even more right wing one, and it's just you can just vote for them in Bavaria, but they together with the CDU, uh, the union, like the big party, big Christian Democratic Party. That's Angela Merkel's party, that. right? Yeah, this is Angela Merkel's party, and um, but the CSU is like like little sister party is how they usually say it i would say right yeah and they have similar extremist views like right-winged extremist views and if you invite them then you have those views on your panel anyway and the combination out of um picking those headlines those teasers the panel and also how the hosts sometimes introduce stuff their clips or how they ask questions 
you can really tell that those are the talking points from AFD that they just now use and they kind of norm it just got normal. Yeah, just about the uh, CDU CSU thing. Um, it, like you said, it's like the Bavarian wing of the Christian Democratic Union. Um, I always tell people it's as if the Republican Party had uh, a, like a Texas wing that like you yeah. voted for the Re Texas Republican Party and it's still a Republican Party like they vote with them all the time but like they are Texans like they're you know the more extreme version right now we finally get into uh, the specifics of your article which I thought were really interesting um, again for people not familiar with the German media scape your article was published in uh, what is it a magazine a newspaper it's but, a daily newspaper mm -hmm, a daily newspaper and it's called uh, Die Tageszeitung which is like the daily newspaper right um, <laughs> but uh, it's referred to as, uh, for short as Die Tats, which is like a pun in German because it means the claw. Uh, and so their logo is the claw and stuff like that. It's one of the more left-leaning major publications, as I understand it. Um, yeah. And so getting back to your article specifically, which uh, I thought was fascinating, the main title of this article is Das Wir und Das Die, right? The we and the them or the they. Yeah. It, it kind of encapsulates this whole framing issue in one phrase, and it's something that's reflected in a lot of these titles, right? Are we too tolerant of Islam, right? Who is the we? Who is Islam? They're already, like you said, something that is not one and the same. They are totally uh, mutually exclusive, right? And uh, you get into some really interesting issues in your article. Part of it is this uh, fake news issue. Could you actually just tell us about some of those fake stories? I thought this was really interesting. Yeah, this was just something that came up while I was watching those shows. I think there wasn't even too much attention on that, but it just reflects how um, everybody, like a lot of people still view those shows as qualitative um, or high quality journalism, but in the end, with the way they choose to um, talk about topics that they just scare people. And one of those questions was when the host asked, where does it start when a society gives up their values? Mm -hmm. So this is like, she just tries by saying that it just means, well, we, the German society, start giving up our, our Western values and then they had a little clip, and this was usually the part that had some research by, done by journalists because they need to gather all the information, and then they have those little clips and some voiceovers and pictures and everything. And they had a clip by stressing out that our values change and that we adjust to Muslims in our society in Germany. They said, well, there's this one place in Germany where they have um, a mosque with those, um, like, I don't know what it's called, like, shouting from the powers of the mosque. Right, the Adhan uh, gives the call to prayer from the minaret. Yeah, right, the prayer, and, yeah. And um, they had this, and then another really big controversy was um, that, I don't know, it's maybe, like, Saint Martin in German, it's one of, like, a Christian figure, and they have those lanterns and those little walks and like usually children have those lanterns and then they walk around and it's called like Sankt Martins Umzug and you can tell that it's like a Christian name. And then they said, well, a lot of kindergartens in, um, where was it, Western Germany, they renamed it because they want to make it more appealing for Muslim family with families with their children. And it's not called St. Martin anymore, but now it's like the lights and lanterns walk. So this is a neutral name. And they use that for just illustrating how Germany is giving up their values, that you're adjusting to Muslims. And like the first point is that um, those things, they don't go together like Muslims in Germany and those prayers in Germany, but which is like, it's not true in the first place. But the second thing is that all those things that they showed were just, they weren't really true. <laughs> like, well, like the, the way they um, presented it on the show, because um, they just made it look like those prayers are a new thing when all those Muslims came here to Germany. But actually, those prayers 
were a part of this place in Western Germany since the 90s. Um, so, and nobody really cares about that because there was this one fact check from Deutschland Radio, like the public broadcasting radio. And they went to that place and they asked the mayor and he's like from the conservative Christian party and he said, well, nobody really cares about that. It's just part of the city. And then um, another like from the social party uh, politician from that place also said, we all got used to it. It's just normal. This is like um, a part of our city and it's been a part for more than 20 years. But in the show, it was like, you know, all of a sudden all those Muslims came and now they even have their loud prayers. And an even more shocking thing was with that little lantern walk because they had a screenshot from a newspaper from Western Germany um, where they had the, this headline like um, kindergartens are renaming their Sankt Martins Umzug. And then five days later, <laughs> this newspaper had another article saying, well, all those kindergartens decided against that and now there are no name changes at all. And then they even had a fact check and saying that those kindergartens, they decided against that. So it's not, it's like nothing. They thought about renaming it, but they didn't do that. That's it. But on that show, in front of a huge audience in the studio, and also the um, audience in front of the laptops and um, televisions, they just thought, oh, well, like kindergartens are renaming our nice St. Martin's Umzug. Right, exactly. This in particular felt very familiar from an American perspective, because uh, you talk specifically about uh, this big deal was made on the show, and they spend a long time talking about this uh, St. Martin's uh, parade or march or whatever um, yeah. uh, being renamed to like the Festival of Lights. And it feels very similar to uh, the War on Christmas narrative that you see in America every time yeah. it goes to November and people are like, you know, they've outlawed saying Merry Christmas in this town. You have to say Happy <laughs> Holidays. And every time it's a total myth. It's just an urban legend. Um, and you cite this one fact check from the Rheinische Post where uh, they asked uh, 200 schools and only two of them had changed the name of the uh, festival that they celebrate. When, you know, it seems bizarre to me that there even is this, uh, uh, like, Christian festival that the schools would celebrate on such a large scale. And this is one of the last points about the German narrative that I wanted to ask you about, just because I thought it was really interesting. Uh, you referenced this really briefly in your article, but this issue of comparing new immigrants or Muslim immigrants, Arabs, Turks, uh, this kind of like uh, refugees, this kind of like made up uh, uh, conglomeration of this uh, like Eastern other, uh, comparing that kind of group of uh, immigrants or migrants or whatever to specifically the Vietnamese German community. You touched on it uh, really briefly in your article, but uh, this is something that looms pretty large in the background of uh, race debates in the U.S. or race discourse about this myth of the model minority. Um, yeah. And in the U.S., uh, I, I, I think similar to Germany with uh, some important differences, the model minority is sometimes Jews, sometimes uh, East Asians or South Asians, but, you know, are always uh, compared favorably to the, sort of the bad minorities, right? Black people, brown people, and more recent immigrants in particular. This is sort of a, another kind of uh, stereotype that played out in this talk show that you're writing about. And especially as a Jewish person with some connection to Germany, uh, it is so scary not only to see this kind of racist and xenophobic discourse becoming big again, but also uh, like particularly to frame German culture as something specifically Christian, uh, seems to be like one of the few ways that they can actually get this uh, uh, xenophobia to make sense. It's like, oh, you know, they're changing our Christian holidays names, like they're changing German culture. But, you know, like there is other German culture that has existed in Germany for forever. So, uh, yeah, could you speak to that a little bit? I guess that's, you know, a combination of a couple of questions, but... Well, yeah, I can divide it up, and um, I think what you just talked about this, um, like, Jewish minorities, for example, here in Germany, it's not only that they say, well, we defend our, like, Abendland, like the Western society, um, they say we defend our Christian Jewish Western society. Right. And they just yeah, we have the same thing in the United States, Judeo-Christian values. Yeah, so, yeah. but this, it's just 
um, it's so disgusting at the same time because those people saying that are usually huge, um, like they're really anti-Semitic too. Right. They just use the Jews in the end, but then at the same time, they say something anti-Semitic again, and it doesn't even have to do something with the Holocaust. But as we all know, anti-Semitic, it's multi-layered. So they just pick some other um, anti-Semitic stereotypes, and they use it every day. But then they want to defend something Jewish because they would say, well, this is part of our values, plus white, what they perceive as like being part of white tradition and culture. So right. this is really like... Um, it doesn't really fit together. Oh, fit like it doesn't really fit. And then um, the other part with the good foreigners and the bad foreigners. Yes. Um, like the good and the bad minorities. I just pointed it out briefly in that article because this Islam critic, how she called herself, she said, well, she it was just um, not an assumption, but she just said something without even that it wasn't even a fact, but she just claimed. Yeah, she claimed that. Muslims are the biggest minority here in Germany that demand the most. I, I definitely remember how she said it because she was so slow by saying that and every word had a big meaning and she really said there's no minority here in Germany that demands so much. Look at the Vietnamese. They're like really quiet. They they don't demand anything. Mm -hmm. And she didn't she didn't even have facts for that or it was just she just said it like that, and then by not asking back, also a problem of the hosts, they just let their guests talk anything, and all of a sudden, for the people in the audience, it becomes a fact, although maybe it's not. But she just claims something, and all of a sudden, yeah, the fact is in the room. So, um, by saying, look at them, like, there's this one minority, and they demand so much, although it can be totally different, look at other minorities, they're not like that, she's pitting them against each other. I know, there's, uh, there's like an old saying in American politics that uh, right-wing Christians support Jews the way a rope supports a dying man. You know, like they make these makeshift alliances the same way uh, Islam critics all over the world will say like, well, we're defending not just Jews, we're defending women and gay people from this alien culture. But you know that those are the same people who uh, five years ago were incredibly hostile to gay people, who are still incredibly hostile to women and Jews and gay people as soon as it will become convenient for them. Definitely. It's also the same. You, you could really see that the uh, Maischberger show, like this one episode that we were just talking about, because this one, like every guest just gets a short introduction. And the CDU politician, like the lady and the CDU, like Angela's Merkel party, it's it's not very well known for the feminist agenda, like not at all. Because right. usually they are just not feminist. And she got her introduction with, um, I don't like, I don't remember her name. I will look it up in a minute. But mm -hmm, she's worried about women's rights here in Germany because Islam um, doesn't really um, like respect women. And when I saw that, it was like it was like the second minute. I just I just thought, what is going on here? Because what does it even have to mean? Like, what does it mean? CDU worries about women's rights. This is just not a thing. So all of a sudden, when the misogyny and sexism comes from Muslims, then it's like they care about it. But first of all, like they they always laughed about feminists and their agenda, and by saying something like, well we have sexism in our society, like in every society. And white men can be sexist too. They never really listen to that. But all of a sudden when it comes to um, like foreigners or like men that are not white, they're sexist. They're definitely sexist. And then they start caring, um, caring about women's rights. So, you know, now that there is this reckoning with the talk shows specifically and all of these problems that exist in the German media more generally, but, uh, you know, related specifically to these talk shows. Is there any kind of follow-up to the controversy? It seems like it's petered out a little bit in German media, at least in the mainstream media. I know that social media has had a totally different take on this issue. You know, the whole framing idea entered the mainstream, became a buzzword because of this exchange on Twitter between the social media team and some random Twitter, Twitter user. Is social media a place where there's any kind of more movement to fix this issue with the talk shows? Or more generally, is there kind of a broader reckoning with 
uh, German uh, media culture around these kind of issues with migration, terror, anything like that, beyond the talk shows, or is anyone trying to like reform the talk shows? These are publicly produced programs. Is anyone uh, uh, trying to like exert influence through the government? Like, where do we go from here? Yeah, well, I think on social media, it always depends on your timeline. I don't really want to call it bubble, but it depends on what you usually read, usually read. And a lot of people were outraged about the topics, although even the German Culture Council, it's like an umbrella organization of like German cultural associations. Even the German Culture Council hopped in and said, we demand that those talk shows take a one-year break so they can like think about how they always um, chose those topics so they can restructure because they and this is really interesting um, like a member of the German Culture Council even said that by taking those topics from 2015 on they also helped AFD success so this was a pretty big thing at least for me <laughs> but it would be a lie to say the talk shows are the problem and, and the rest of the landscape um, is not touched by that because the right-wing shift of a society is seen in every part of the society. Not only what is like what people are able to say again and how they feel and who they vote for, like ASD, and how the like climate in society is, but definitely also in the media landscape. And the Bild Zeitung, it is a tabloid and usually problematic tabloid too mm -hmm. how they choose their headlines but it's also the most sold um, daily newspaper although it is a tabloid and I wouldn't take it so far to always just like compare it to the NS yeah like Stürmer, but they definitely have a lot of problematic headlines always shortened because it's all it's almost like clickbaiting they have it on their like cover and it's really scary what they write, but then in the end, it's just a part taken out of the reality, or it's not that bad. But they have stuff like, we have the true numbers. This is how many refugees don't have, like, A-levels or, like, high, went to high school. Mm -hmm. It's not only tabloids and um, the talk shows, but also, like, news magazines like Der Spiegel, um, Stern, Focus, and those, like... Um, where people also would say that it's like high quality journalism, they always have those like um, kind of clickbaiting titles on their front pages, on their covers. So the shift, you can definitely tell it or like see it in the whole media landscape right now. And this is like, it is a strategy of right wing populists, like um, AFD's strategy paper got leaked. And we know how other um, right-wing populist NGOs operate, that they just try to repeat, repeat, repeat their own views, their own um, narratives. So all of a sudden, it just gets like into society or like more attention. And I would say that, unfortunately, talk shows helped like or contributed some to do that, to, uh, to that right-wing shift. And if, like, also other media outlets don't watch out, and if they just try to focus on problems that aren't even real problems, then it would just go on like that, unfortunately. Cool. Yeah. I mean, not cool. Horrible. Uh, really, <laughs> really, really <laughs> depressing. <laughs> well, I think that's as good a place to end as any. Thank you so much, Ni, for talking to us. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, yeah thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me and for taking your time.